0: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Big poppy headed for the Hall of Fame. Of course, uh, earlier we learned that Tony Oliva and Jim are headed for the Hall as well. Should be a great summer in Cooperstown, New York. Of course, David Ortiz spent some time in Minnesota before going on to fame and fortune with the Red Sox. And of course, the MLB lockout continues. And joining us to discuss all of these matters, Bob Nightingale he covers the major leagues for USA Today, and is good enough to join us from time to time. He's an Odyssey Sports insider. Bob, how you been? Yeah, doing great. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, thanks so much uh, for joining us. Uh, let's start with the uh, Hall of Fame ballot. Big Poppy gets in.
2: Yeah, I mean, they—you uh, know—might be the greatest DH of all time. I mean, uh, you know, Frank Thomas played a lot of first base, so I kind of exclude him. I definitely think it's a better G.H. than Edgar Martinez. Uh, iconic in Boston. I mean, you talk about, uh, you know, Boston heroes, sports heroes. You know, you're talking about, you know, Bill Russell, Larry Bird, you know, Tom Brady. And, uh, you know, right there is uh, Ortiz.
1: Yeah, so David Ortiz gets in, very, very popular, and, of course, uh, twins fans think, well, what might have been, he left the Twins, went to the Red Sox, and the rest is history. Really rewrote re- the history book uh, for the Red Sox in a lot of ways, uh, you know, decades and decades of frustration, and Big Poppy was right in the middle of that.
2: He was. I mean, uh, you know, I think he's one of the only three guys, uh, Babe Ruth and Reggie Jackson and, uh, and Ortiz, as far as You know, 500-plus home runs and three World Series rings. Uh, Just an iconic figure. I mean, he changed the whole landscape of the Red Sox. They they certainly don't win three World Series without him.
1: And we came really close to not having anyone get into the Hall of Fame. David Ortiz mentioned on just shy of 78% of the balance. Did that number surprise you, Bob, that he only got 78% of the vote?
2: It, uh, it didn't, Steve. I mean, I thought it was going to, uh, you know, time and go. I, I thought, I thought he would get in, but remember, he had, he had the uh, positive drug test, the anonymous drug test in two thousand three. You know, he's the first guy in baseball history to go into a Hall of Fame with a positive drug test. So it didn't. You only know, maybe it's a false positive. We don't know for sure, but that 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 part haunted him. If it wasn't for the positive drug test, you know, I think he would have got eighty-five, ninety percent. It's just like you know. Uh, Mike Piazza or Jeff Bagwell. And mean, took them three or four times to get in the Hall of Fame on the ballot. When, if not for the uh, steroid suspicions, they would have been first ballot Hall of Famers.
1: So uh, Cooperstown will have a lot of Red Sox fans and quite a few Twins fans because I mentioned Tony Oliva and uh, Jim Codd will get into the Hall of Fame this summer as well. And, of course, David Ortiz spent some time with the Twins. So it should be a fun summer for those folks that want to make the trip upstate New York for that. Uh, we'll talk about Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens for a moment. Their final year of eligibility, and, you know, they, they came up short. It, it, it's not a surprise, but I know, Bob, that you've been firmly on the side of, of Bonds and Clemens and cast cast votes for these guys. And and I, I think you make a great point in, in all of this and that, you know, the, the rules were, were completely different. Yeah, there were no rules back then. You know, it's like a, uh, you know,
2: it, it you know, it, before '94, uh, there was no, uh, there was no steroid rules, there was no drug testing. So you know, if you're going to go up to, uh, you know, um, you know, I-35, and they say, hey, you're not going to have any uh, policemen, or you're not going to any radar guns for 100 miles now, 100 miles, you're not going to 55. You know, you're going go to go 80, 85, whatever, and that's the way it was. I mean. Steroids and HGH and amphetamines are rampant. Uh, you know, I, I think they're at least that, you know, fifty percent, sixty percent of guys doing something. Remember now, when they did the uh, anonymous drug testing in '03, they told every single player when you're going to be tested, and 104 guys still got you know tested positive. And that's when they knew the testing was coming. So if they didn't know when the testing, the testing being announced, we might have had 400, 500, 600 guys test positive.
1: Right, so it's changed, and I, I can't imagine there's a scenario where Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens get in on on what we've come to know as the old timers ballot. That isn't going to happen.
2: Well, we'll see. Uh, I, I I don't oh. think right away. I agree with you, Steve. Uh, I mean, when I go to Cooperstown every summer, you know they say, "Hey, we don't want these guys in there." You know, Joe Morgan, who was on the Hall of Fame uh, board, board directors, said, "We don't want cheaters in there." But you know, they could be in there one day, you know, I don't yeah, know when. We'll Twenty, see. twenty-five years. It's not gonna happen this year. It really isn't. Uh but yeah, we'll see. And then that's their uh that's the only way out now into the into the uh Cooperstone.
1: Yeah, and the the one thing that has been true ever since I was a kid, and what I still love uh, about the game is there there's great debate about the Hall of Fame every year. And it's not necessarily true in other sports. The Pro Football Hall of Fame, you, you you get the announcement around the Super Bowl. Yeah, okay. And then, you know, there, there isn't a great deal of debate year in and year out. There's guys that should be in the Hall of Fame, like the great Jim Marshall, the longtime Minnesota Viking, and Iron Man, and played all those consecutive games and all those great teams. But it, it, it's not like MLB, that, that year in and year out, there's a lot of attention on the Hall of Fame ballot.
2: No, you're absolutely right, Steve. I mean, you've got to be, uh, you know, the elite, the cream to cream to get, to get in. Uh, there's so many the good players that don't get in, had nice careers. Uh, you know, I, I think it'll be a big case in a couple of years of Joe Maurer. You know, it's a Joe Maurer Hall of Famer. He played more games at first base than, than in catcher. Uh, you know, he's in six home runs a year as that first baseman. That'll be a fascinating case whether he gets in. Like an NFL, he'd be automatically. Uh, baseball, he may never get in. We'll see. Right.
1: Yeah. A lot of great examples, a lot of fine players. You, you look at a, even a player like, you know, uh, Torrey Hunter, who had a great career with the Minnesota Twins and was with the Angels and, you know, spent, spent time with the Tigers, comes back with the Twins. Torrey Hunter had a really good career, but he's probably not a Hall of Famer.
2: No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, fabulous career. But yeah. a Andrew Jones, who had a better career, isn't in. Andrew Jones isn't yeah. even close. And yeah. Andrew Jones is the best defensive center fielder I've ever seen. Uh, fabulous career. And, uh, you know, hey, hey, Torrey had a uh, magnificent no. career. Not as good as uh, Andrew Jones, but if Andrew Jones isn't in, you know, Tory can't get in.
1: Yeah, for sure. Hey, Bob uh, Locke, how it uh, continues. Here we are at the end of January. People are really getting nervous about spring training starting on time. What's your read on it right now? Where are the players and owners?
2: Well, I'd be shocking to start on time now, Steve. Time's running out here. uh yeah, I don't think people even know it is a lockout. They won't know until Super Bowl is over on uh, the thirteenth of uh, February. Uh, you know, they're they're talking the same language now. I don't think they're that far apart. I really don't, Steve. But do I think spring training will start on time? No. Regular season will definitely start on time. I think spring training will start a week or two late.
1: And, and that's good news because the players were pretty quick to uh, take a couple items off the table. They, they bagged off very quickly on free agency. Did it surprise you that the players bagged off on a couple of items almost right away?
2: Not free agency. It's been around since 1976. So that wasn't going to change uh, but, the, the but, six year number you know, it, it, you know and then the uh, you know the owners said, yeah, we're going to back off arbitration. they want to eliminate arbitration. that wasn't going to happen, so it's kind of shadow boxing right now, but at least they're speaking the same language, they're talking about the same issues, so you know it it will happen. I think if they meet like four or five days straight, it's going to happen.
1: Now look let's get back to the free agency number. I know I know the players were were trying to maybe move that number, but I think they got the sense quickly that the owners weren't going to budge on 6 years. But there still could be a mechanism where where there aren't games played with service time. That's one of the things that still continues to bug players where there's a kid who's, you know, done everything he can in the minor leagues and had a great spring training and still doesn't get you know, doesn't go north with the big club, and fans are saying, well, the service time thing stinks. And then, you know, in May, they're called up. And I, I would assume that's still got to be somewhere on the table on playing games with service time.
2: No, you're right. They're, they're trying to change that. They keep bringing up Chris Bryant, and absolutely yeah. right. It's like, okay, if you want to, if, if your guy wins Rook of the Year, if your guy has a high war score, wins, you know, top three in Cy Young. You know, you're going to get, uh, top draft picks and stuff like that. But yeah, that's going to change. And, uh, and I think MLB wants that to change too. You should not be penalizing guys. Hey, it's supposed to be six years for free agency, not seven. So yeah, that part will change. They'll get more money. Uh, the minimum salary is too low for baseball. It's the lowest, you know, I'm not sure about hockey, but I know it's lower than, uh, NFL or NBA. Uh, so they want to get more money up front. To those young guys well, right now it 's like a uh, I saw the stat seventy four percent of the guys make less than a million dollars. You know we all hear about the guys making two hundred and three hundred million, but you know too few players, the young players aren 't you know making big money
1: yeah, and that that argument's probably going to wear thin because you know uh billionaires and, and millionaires fighting over money, people get bored with it pretty quick. Uh, but Bob, you've always been an optimist. Now it doesn't sound like pitchers and catchers are going to report on time, but we could still see pitchers and catchers report by the end of February. Do you, do you think that's still in play?
2: I really do, Steve. Yeah, I don't think there's any way there will be one uh, regular season game canceled or pushed back. I don't. So no, I think I think that'll be in play. Uh, I think Nate, we may have a week of the spring training games canceled, two weeks maximum and that 's all, uh yeah, but I think we 'll see you know these pitchers and catchers and everybody else uh position players report by March first, so we can have a uh, you know a real regular season
1: well, and it is going to be a frenzy bob i 'm sure you 've thought about this you know you 're going to be putting in some long days and the the people that cover the game full time because you know every club has needs, and they 're going to need to fill those. Very quickly, it, it, there's going to be a mad scramble for the available pitching.
2: Oh, yeah. Some guys will drop in their laps, you know, whether it's the you know, Twins or, you know, whatever team you're rooting for. There's going to be some guys that start panicking at the end of March and say, you know what, let me sign let me sign a uh, a cheap deal right now. So I think we'll see a lot of that and a lot of waiting and patience and, and teams saying, you yeah, know, we'll, we'll grab our guy. We're not going to pay big dollars. Uh, we'll pay. We'll keep waiting and, and get our guy
1: at the right price. All right. Bob, always good to visit with you. Thanks so much for the time. My pleasure. Thanks, Dave. There he is, Bob Nightingale, USA Today. Covered the major leagues for a long time and an odyssey. Sports Insider will come back. Uh, the Wild hit the road. They'll be in the New York area. They get the Rangers tomorrow night. Then the Islanders over the weekend. We will talk wild hockey in a moment, here on News Talk, e wcco And then still to come here on Sports to the Max, we got a lot. Cal Soderquist is going to have a quick tease of uh, what's going on on the pregame show. Timberwolves and Warriors from San Francisco tonight. And then we'll talk a little high school hockey. They're ranked number four in 2 A. The Roseville Rams and their first-year head coach Greg Lund will join us. Following the news at 8, they're going to be in the cities taking on St. Michael Albertville tomorrow night, so we'll visit with Greg Lund. Uh, they're going to get out of the cold and come to the cities uh, where, where it's quite a bit warmer. <laughs> it seven nineteen here at News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O. The Wild hit the road, and they are going to be in New York. They're, they're going to be able to see how it is to be an Eastern Conference team, because the The teams that play out west have a whole different travel scenario than they do in the east. I mean you think about all the clubs in the greater new york philly Boston area just just kind of in that corridor between d c and Boston, and then you got chip over to Toronto or up to Montreal and you got Buffalo in the mix and then you got uh, Pittsburgh and you got Detroit in the east and oh by the way Columbus is there it, it the, the travel is just a whole different ball game and the twins or the wild will get a taste of that when they get the rangers on Friday and then uh, the islanders on Sunday uh, and they'll they'll just be able to say I, I would assume midtown Manhattan uh, have the game at the Garden, hang out on Saturday, and then make the trip out to the island uh, to take on uh, the Islanders uh, before uh, heading back this way and taking on Chicago on Wednesday. So. It is a huge, huge benefit in the East. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I, I'm glad the NHL, they, they do the home and home, so you see everybody in your building once during the season. Of course, uh, a year ago that wasn't the case when everyone was locked into their divisions in the Canadian teams. But uh, I, I'm pretty impressed by what the Wild have been able to do this year. And Guerrero Kaprizov got injured, the cheap shot in Boston. Bounce back quickly, so they're a superstar. Uh, and it could have been much, much worse. Uh, that could have been a much bigger injury to Kaprizov uh, in Boston that night. But he he missed the game with Alexander Ovechkin in the Capitals. But, it, but he was still able to come back and has been a huge contributor. And, and when you look at the standings now, Minnesota Wild after that really rough stretch leading up to the COVID shutdown, and then, of course, uh, the NHL winter Classic sick and the brutal cold, they didn't play well at all. That that didn't go very well. But but generally since then, they, they've they been getting the job done. In a tough division uh, with a lot of challenges, Cam Talbot's been out, um, and Capo Kackinen's done a really nice job. I, I've just really been impressed. I, and you can't help but be impressed. Uh what Bill Guerin, the general manager, inherited and the idea that at some point they were going to have to uh, swallow a couple of really big pills in, in getting rid of Ryan Souter and Zach Parisi and dealing with the cap hits. And they aren't fully into cap hell yet on that. They still have to weather that storm going forward uh, until those contracts are completely off the books. But but I still say, in general, Bill Guerin has done a great job, and Dean Evison has done a terrific job as head coach. And they're hanging in there, uh, points-wise, in the division. Uh, they've got a good cushion over Dallas in the five-hole, a really good cushion over Winnipeg. Uh, they're right on the heels of St. Louis. Colorado is starting to take off, and I don't think anybody's surprised by that. I, I, I don't think anybody is surprised. Colorado got off to a relatively slow start. They are the class of the division, and I think it'll be a major upset if ultimately uh, the Colorado Avalanche don't put their name on the Stanley Cup. Uh, Florida's been a big surprise over in the East in the Atlantic division. Uh, The New York Rangers surprising right now, leading the Metropolitan division. And you know, Colorado has just really started to take flight. But in reality, you know, the Wild still have a chance to uh, run down the Nashville Predators and the St. Louis Blues in the division. And they've got a lot of games in hand. The, the Wild have only played 38, St. Louis has already played 42, Nashville's already played 44. So the Wild are really in pretty good shape uh, behind the Colorado Avalanche in the Central Division. And, you know, Chris Tubbs, when it comes to the Minnesota Wild, and, and you talk about a general manager coming into a difficult situation, that was Bill Guerin with the Minnesota Wild. Mm-hmm. And, and at the beginning of the show, we talked about the new Viking general manager, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, and the huge decisions in front of him. Bill Guerin isn't out of the woods yet because those contracts – for Parisi and Suter are going to be impacting this team for a few more seasons, and mm-hmm. that's not going to be easy. And Adolfo Mensa has has got that same thing in front of him. There are some cap issues associated with Kirk Cousins and some of those contracts. So, uh, and, and I like the way Bill Garren has navigated this. And of course, getting Kirill Kaprizov to come over from the KHL was huge. And now, with, with a superstar in the lineup and someone you can build the future around, it made it easier to get rid of Parisian suitors. So, um, tip yeah. of the cap to Bill Guerin. He's done a phenomenal job.
3: Yeah, he really has. And like you were saying, you knew that the Parisian suitor contracts, you were going to have to eventually look at those things, you know, dead in the eye and figure yeah. out how to handle them. And I give him credit. He, he ripped it off like a Band-Aid. Whereas I think that's the big difference between the Vikings. And, you know, Vikings kicked the can down the road with Kirk Cousins. And Bill Guerin's like, hell with it. We're going to get rid of this. We're going to bite the bullet, and we'll figure it out. And, I mean, you're seeing why he built some Stanley Cup winners in Pittsburgh. I mean, you're seeing that DNA right now with this team.
1: Yeah, and what what I will say uh, about Guerin is he came into the job eyes wide open. and, And probably told craig leopold the owner and at the time we all know this revisiting the history of the minnesota wild just a little bit that at that point in time he had to sign parisian suitor he had to make that deal yeah knowing yeah. that and he's a smart guy knowing that down the road it was going to cause problems because at that moment in time season ticket holders were leaving People who own the fancy seats, the club's seats, the the suites, those were trending in the wrong direction. Yeah, the and, club and plus, was yeah. going in the wrong direction.
3: Yeah, and, and you got – I don't know the last time, Steve, that the same team has gotten the best forward and the same defenseman in the same free agency period because Suter yeah. and Parisi – were the best forward and best defenseman that were out there in the market, and the Wild got them both. And, and I mean, I remember that July Fourth; like it was just like, I mean, I swear, I thought there was going to be a, a parade that was going to be down Kellogg. I really thought the way that that thing was received.
1: The only problem was is that they they were both the best players available, but they weren't superstars. They 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 weren't. They weren't talents that can transform a franchise. They were talents that helped save the franchise and generate new interest. And once again, it turned into a situation that at the end of those contracts, you knew it was going to be ugly. What made it easier for Bill Guerin? Kirill Capriza. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll have the weather. We'll come back. We'll talk NFL playoffs Championship Sunday, we'll get into it in a moment here on News Talk, E3OWCCO. Championship Sunday in the NFL, the AFC title game in the early window on Sunday afternoon. That'll be 2 o'clock on CBS. And then the night game on Fox, the NFC championship game. Let's go to the early game, AFC title game in Kansas City, the Bengals and Kansas City. Uh, The home team favored by seven. The over-under, a very big number, 54 and a half. Anything over 50 in an NFL game is a big number. I I just don't know if I see Cincinnati putting up big numbers on the road at Kansas City, but they went into Tennessee and got it done in a rock sock'em game. Joe Burrow got beat up bad, Chris Tubbs. And they still found a way to get it done. I'm not counting them completely out, but at seven points, I think Kansas City wins and covers. I, that, that's been my gut feeling all week. I think Kansas City wins, but I, I don't
3: think they cover, Steve. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was just a few weeks ago. I mean, week 17, Bengals beat the Chiefs 34 31. And, I mean, that was a last second field goal by Evan McPherson. And, you know, that was, you know, happened last week. You know, Jamar Chase absolutely lit up Kansas City. 11 catches, 266 yards. I mean, Kansas City loved the blitz. And Joe Burrow went toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes. Now, Josh Allen did it and came up short. Now, I think that the nine sacks last week against the Titans, I think it's going to be real... Ridiculous. I, I, I think it's going to be real risky for Kansas City to blitz because they know that Jamar Chase... I mean, he can match Tyree Kill, and the Bengals shut down Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey in that game. Uh, But ultimately, this is about the quarterbacks. I think both guys are going to have big games. I think the Chiefs right now are just a better team. I think the I think the Chiefs win by I think they win by field goal. I'm gonna go like 35-32. I'm I'm gonna take the big number.
1: Kansas City's playing really well. I will say this, and, and you make a good point about Cincinnati. And Kansas City. That was week 17. This is the AFC championship game. This is in Kansas City Mm -hmm. to go to the Super Bowl. I'm going to go with, I don't think Cincinnati and Joe Burrow are ready yet.
3: They're not ready for that that jelly. That's what you're saying?
1: I'm just saying Mm. they're not quite ready yet. I'm very high on Joe Burrow. I like what they've done in Cincinnati. You, you, You have to be impressed. The, the, the grit they've shown, they, they obviously have uh, an elite quarterback in Joe Burrow. I am impressed. I'm just going to go with, I don't think they're ready, and that's why I think Kansas City wins and covers in this game, and they're going to go to another Super Bowl. I'm
3: going to so, say look out for one guy, and that's Trey Hendrickson on that Cincinnati defensive line. Watch for big number 91.
1: That's what I'm saying. All right. Um I know a former producer, now working for the Baltimore Orioles radio network, Kevin Reed, huge Ohio guy, huge Cincinnati Bengals fan. Um, I mean, in a way, I'm pulling for him. Mm-hmm. And, and I. it doesn't matter to me in this particular game. I'm not going to be laying down a wager. I'm not going to be gambling on it. I would love to see another good game because um, – that that Buffalo Kansas City game still brings a smile to my face. I just think about what what transpired that night and it was how fun. good that was. It was, it was spectacular sports entertainment. All right, let's let's get to the other game, the NFC Championship game, San Francisco at SoFi to play the LA Rams. By the way, the site of the Super Bowl in February. Rams favored by three and a half. The over under on this. Uh, Eight and a half points Laura, at only 46. I will go back to what I said before. I generally don't trust Matthew Stafford, particularly against this very physical 49er defense. And it stands out to me, the number is three and a half for the Rams. Usually home teams get three at home. So mm-hmm. odds makers are torn. I said it going into Green Bay. I think San Francisco can win this game straight up. Turned out to be right. I think San Francisco is going to go in and beat the LA Rams again with Jimmy Garoppolo, a very average quarterback. It's going to be San Francisco and Kansas City in the Super Bowl.
3: I, I mean, ultimately, which team is going to be able to run the ball better? I, I think Cam Akers coming back from that torn Achilles has been a great story but the 49ers just run the ball better than anybody else in the playoffs right now. I it's I huge. mean they, you know, they get an average an average of 88 yards more per game on the ground. I mean, that's, that's amazing. A, that is a big big difference. And you limit the times that Jimmy Garoppolo has to throw the ball. <laughs>
1: Absolutely.
3: Because I mean, I and not saying that he's a liability, but at this point he's that quote-unquote game manager. And by the way, your best player on offense is Debo Samuel. Guess what? They're, they've been running Debo Samuel several different areas. I mean, he's been a wide receiver out wide. He's been in the slot. He's been a running back. He's been pretty much everything that you need. So I I, I think that, yeah, I, I think it's San Francisco and I think it's Kansas City, just like it was a couple of years ago. But I would say something about me would like to see the Bengals and the 49ers in a, a, a rematch of a couple of Super Bowls.
1: Yeah, it, it just is one of those where I, San Francisco right now, they go on the road, they, they seem to have the Rams' number, and they're just so physical. I think they're going to get after Matthew Stafford, mm-hmm. they're going to create mistakes, and they're going to create turnovers. And And I just think this is a case. In this NFC championship game, that defense is going to win the NFC title, and I, I just really like the 49ers. Do I think they're good enough? To slow down Patrick Mahomes and win the Super Bowl, I don't. Um, I'm in Kansas City. They're going to get it done. They're going to beat Cincinnati and then they're going to beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl. I'm I'm already making my Super Bowl prediction, Chris. Tubbs.
3: Now, well, good for you. Good yeah. for you. Well, l- let's just hold off on that. Pump the brakes there, hot shot. Let's just see what happens this weekend and then we'll we'll go from there.
1: Yeah. Don't All put right.
3: that don't put the cart before the horse there, Stevie. Come on now.
1: All right, let's let's pin it down though. You think the Rams get it done or the 49ers? Get it I done I, th-
3: I think it's the 49ers and once again yeah. we are going to have a a team come up one game short of playing in their home stadium. I mean, that's happened before. I can't remember well, when, but yeah, rumor yeah. R- yeah. rumor has it it's it's happened before. Right.
1: And and by the way, at this moment Tom Brady is not retired. That that has not happened that I'm aware of. Have not you yet. heard anything on Brady? Nope. Okay. Not Great. yet. Just want to make sure we we get that out there. We're on the same page. Quick break. We're going to come out and talk Timberwolves. Cal Soderquist will give us a rundown of what's coming up on the pregame show tonight. It'll be the Timberwolves and the Warriors from San Francisco. Pregame 8.30, tip-off just after 9 with Alan Horton. Cal joins us in a moment here on News Talk, 830-WCCO. Timberwolves on the road tonight at Golden State, pregame 8.30, tip just after 9. Cal Soderquist and Alan Horton, then they're in Phoenix a little bit earlier, start tomorrow night, pregame 7.30, tip just after 8 o'clock. Same deal both nights after our Timberwolves radio network coverage, Henry Lake and Timberwolves tonight. And then they return home and take on Utah on Sunday night. Speaking of Cal, he joins us right now. How you been? Hey, thanks for having me, Steve. Yeah, good to visit with you, Cal. Uh, let's start. First game of the road trip against Portland, Anthony Edwards' night at Moda Center. Wow, was that fun. It certainly was. He pours in 40, uh, 14
4: came in that fourth quarter, um, and he also had some good buckets late in the third, too, as the Wolves kind of kept themselves within striking distance in that one, so He's a ton of fun to watch, and he can kind of—I I don't know if it's like a bowling ball where once he gets rolling, sort of, um, maybe, maybe you know it starts to snowball. Maybe that's a better description. But he really uh, was a problem for that Blazers defense, and he kind of sparked everything for Minnesota um, in a game where the other guys, even you know, Cat and Velo that that other two thirds of the big three, they were kind of secondary pieces in terms of what Ant was doing uh, to help the Wolves get that win.
1: Yeah, and it's been fun because in the win over Brooklyn, Cat had kind of a quiet night and really got rolling in the fourth quarter. And I think the Timberwolves would accept that out of their big three, whether it's Anthony Edwards or Carl Anthony Towns or D'Angelo Russell on any given night, take over on the fourth quarter and get the W and move on.
4: Yeah, all three of those guys have really kind of echoed that too, especially in recent wins. I think D'Angelo said something to the effect last night that they're learning that you know they can they can sort of have that hot hand approach. I mean, you could even look at the game winning play or sequence from from Tuesday in Portland, where you know the play was supposedly drawn up for for Cat, um, but the defense had it covered well. D'Lo, uh took his man off the dribble and got to the rim and got that goaltending call. Um, so it's it's really you know they're able to make defenses kind of pick their poison and. I think the team uh, did a good job of getting away from a little too much isolation ball earlier in the season. You know, these guys are all so talented and probably are tempted to just try to take defenses, you know, one-on-one, but sometimes that becomes more of a one-on-two or even a one-on-three scenario. So they're moving the ball a lot, and still, uh each one of those guys is really letting the game come to them.
1: Cal Soderquist joining us uh, from the Timberwolves Radio Network. You hear him. Every Timberwolves game, -game, pregame, halftime, postgame. Alan Horton standing by with all the play-by-play. Golden State tonight, Phoenix tomorrow night. I've talked about this with some of the beat writers in the lead-up to this road trip. Golden State-Phoenix back-to-back on a Thursday and Friday night. That is as tough a back-to-back as you're going to find anywhere in the NBA.
4: It really is, and maybe the Wolves have had back-to-backs where they travel more uh, in between games, certainly, but in terms of the caliber of opponent, you know, these are the top two teams in the Western Conference. Um, the Warriors especially are getting closer and closer to full strength. They, they won't still have Draymond Green tonight, but Steph Curry was missing in that most recent matchup at the Target Center a little less than two weeks ago. He's back tonight. Andrew Wiggins was just named an all-star starter um, I'm sure he'll be playing with some extra motivation tonight against the Wolves like he always kind of does. Uh, and, yeah, the, the back-to-back, you know, against the Warriors and against the Suns, it will really test the Wolves. And I think even if you, you look ahead to the coming games at home, too, the Utah Jazz at home Sunday and the Denver Nuggets uh, on Tuesday next week, it's a really tough stretch. And I think it made that win over Portland – all that much more important. Um, but it's a great opportunity too for the Timberwolves that I think in two different senses. A, they obviously can gain some more ground in the Western Conference standings. And as we creep into February and, and, you know, get into the second half of the season, it's fun to be able to look at the standings and say, Hey, where are the Wolves? Where are the Clippers? Where are the Lakers teams that we're competing with in that playoff picture? But I think the other reason this stretch is important for the Wolves. Um, not only to gain ground in the standings, but to just gain confidence and put together some good efforts against some of the elite, elite teams. I mean, these next four teams are all very much contenders and could easily come out of the West, depending on, you know, how health looks two and a half months from now.
1: But this is fun to be at the end of January, Cal, and think in these terms where it's kind of like, okay, um, the the Timberwolves have a chance – Maybe they steal one tonight, or maybe they steal one tomorrow night on the road, and then they come home. I mean, this is fun because the the Timberwolves are healthy right now, and as as we pointed out, they're they're getting a different guy stepping up in the fourth every night. Why not?
4: Yeah, and you've got. To, I think you have to embrace it, especially as, as Wolves fans who certainly have suffered through some lean seasons. Um, I think it was mentioned recently. You know, this is just. The second time since the twenty seventeen eighteen season that that first Jimmy Butler season that the Wolves are above five hundred uh, after the halfway point of you know we're into the second half of the season and they're twenty four and twenty three sure it's just one game above five hundred but it just kind of gives you an idea of how rare this is um, you know in terms of some of those tough years like I said so you got to enjoy it uh, embrace it and. It couldn't hurt to, you know, follow closely some of these other results and maybe root against some of these teams. You know, the Wolves, I believe, are just a game and a half back of Denver for that sixth seed, and I I think the Wolves have stated it several times, the players have, that they would obviously prefer to not have to sweat that play-in tournament where you you might have to win to get in, you might have to play on the road to do that. If you can get into the top six, then, then you've got it made in terms of what the Wolves are shooting for.
1: All right, uh, Cal, we got to run uh, real quick. What's coming up on the pregame at 8.30? Yeah, Alan's got a
4: great convo with uh, his radio counterpart with the Warriors, Tim Roy, another one of you know, okay. my absolute favorite radio broadcasters in the NBA. So Tim Roy gives us a great breakdown of this Warriors team and some good Steph Curry stories. So a great conversation between uh, two of the best in the biz with Alan and Tim Roy.
1: And I would assume Chris Finch as well.
4: Absolutely,
1: yes. All right, got to run. There he is. Callow Soderquist, look forward to it. Pre-game show coming up at 8.30, Timberwolves and Warriors from the Bay Area tonight. Quick break. We have the news. We'll talk a little high school hockey. We'll go to Rozo and then the Wolves and Warriors at 8.30 right here on CCO.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.